All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in. Episode 192 of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. It's a short staff today. Wanye has important real business meetings. Bagged Milk's laptop broke. So it's myself, Chalmers, and Jay. Boys, how's it going? Yo, it's going good, great. Good, man. How are you? Ah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm happy. We got, a, we got a lot of really positive feedback on our interview with Brett Kissel, which was a ton of fun. If you're listening to this podcast and haven't listened to the Kissel interview, it's a long one, but it's worth it. That dude loves his hockey. Um, and he was a ton of fun to chat to. Like, I was thinking about it. He's now on my list of people I would love to sit down with and just watch an Oilers game. Because he's fired Hard up, off, he's opinionated, he knows his stuff. I got a Hard question off. about Brett Kissel for you guys. Right. Did he did you, did you did he follow you guys all back on Instagram and, and Twitter? No. Okay. Just Jay. Oh, follow okay, me. Just, just Jay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I thought we are like going to be best friends, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Well, uh, some of us are best friends with Brett Kissel, and some of us aren't. And that's just the reality some of you have to live with. <laughs> um, I'm a... I, scared, I scared him away with the, asking him to do a, podcast, a country podcast with me. Yeah, he was like, I cannot <laughs> risk this at all. Um, <laughs> you should let me open for you on your next tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we really get rolling here, I should let you all know that this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Japa Machinery. They just added 51 and 48 double drum rollers and combo rollers. Perfect for smaller asphalt jobs. They do it all. 
it's a big job, they got you covered. Small job, they got you covered. Try them out on Rental of Demo. Find out more about these products, about everything, by visiting them online, japamachinery.com. Um, yeah, great interview with Brett Kissel. We got another one coming up this Thursday with another musician. I don't know if I want to tease that yet. I want to make sure it's like 110% sure before we do, but I, I'm pretty sure we'll have them this Thursday. So another good interview with another Oilers fan who's in the music industry as well. I don't know if I'm the only one who did this. Like, I'm not a huge country music guy, um, but I sat down on Saturday and I just hit shuffle on Brett Kissel's playlist. Man, that guy's good. That guy got me listening to country and being like, hmm, I think I can get on board with this. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, I great. Went, I went back and listened to some of the songs he told me about, and uh, he lied to say if I didn't have a fire on Saturday and bumped uh, Galveston a couple times, that's a good track. There is, uh, there's a lot to get to in the NHL, actually, which is kind of a bit of a rare thing over the last few months. But did you guys watch the draft lottery on Friday night? Uh, I, I, was, I did not. I was at a thing. And I say that because I wasn't too excited to be there, so it was a thing. But my phone was blowing up with just updates about basically I'm being told that we won the lottery. Like the Oilers won the lottery. I'm just getting inundated with text with that. So it was very interesting to kind of see the reaction and the flood of text messages uh, from uh, by, by from someone not pay, not seeing it live and being hit with it about per, like the perception of everything. So what a wild night. It's the most NHL thing that could happen where a team to be determined wins the draft lottery. What? Okay, I'll give you two guesses as to whether or not I watched the draft lottery, and the first one doesn't count. I'm going to say you (laughs) didn't watch it? Yeah. Okay, then I'm going to ask you another question. Do you think I even knew it was Friday? No, probably not. I I don't think you (laughs) knew what was going on. I don't think you even knew that a random team could win it. No, I didn't. I I knew it was coming up because I was seeing, like, tweets that just said, like, we had 11% to get Connor, and we have 125 to get Alex Lafreniere, and so there's a chance. And I was just like, okay, that's a passing thought. Um, but I didn't know it was actually coming on Friday. So I need somebody to explain this to me. How does a team to be determined win the draft lottery? So I explained this on Oilers Nation Radio on Friday, but the way it works is because we already know who those seven teams who aren't in the playing series are, their team, they were there, they had their lottery odds for the sake of, I don't know, TV numbers, peace of mind. The NHL wanted to do the lottery now instead of waiting. But it would have been unfair to completely overhaul the lottery system and not allow those teams that are in play-in series to not have a chance. Because if you lose the play-in series, so if the Oilers lose to Chicago, they are not going to be technically considered a playoff team. So if they're not going to be a playoff team, you know, based on history, they should have a chance at the lottery. So instead of, you know, waiting until the play-in series is over, the NHL assigned, you know, team A, B, C, D, E, F, and G spots in the lottery and those spots are undetermined right now what happened was team b and they're like five percent chance of picking first overall well it happened so now what's gonna have to happen is once the playing series is done there's gonna be a second lottery where those eight teams that get eliminated will all have an equal chance of now getting the first overall pick i mean there was a 50 percent chance that none of this would have happened and none of those teams from down there would have crept into the top three, and it wouldn't have really mattered at the end of it. Um, but yeah, lottery 2.0 is coming, and if the Oilers lose to Chicago, they'll have a 12.5% chance of picking first overall. That's so bizarre. <laughs> it's fucked, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, you you explain it great because I get it now, and I never ever ever even thought about it before. But man alive, well, that's a lot of pressure that to get this fucking hockey going. Like, what's the new news on that? Because I haven't been following that. Where well, we at? Okay, I'll get to that in a second. But the question I want to float out to you: So the Oilers taking on the Blackhawks in the qualifying round. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the Oilers pick first overall or make it to the second round of the play-in series? Make it to the second round. Really? Agreed. Yeah. Well, you got to have. We have to stop relying on first round picks, right? Like we now have to start thinking that the window is there and have to start acting as if mm-hmm. and thinking as if that we've got a chance to go forward. So that's what we've got to be cheering for. If, if for some reason we get eliminated and that happens by default or, or happens as a result, we get, we, we win the lottery again and pick first. Yeah, I'll be happy. But that's not the outcome I'm cheering for right now. I think we have a chance to go deep. And that's where all of our attention needs to be focused. It was so funny on Twitter when everyone was just like going off. I guess it's just like my text messages, text messages I was getting, like going off as if we won the lottery. And I'm like, why are we even saying that right now? We're like trying to, like, are we just trying to like, like totally not jinx a deep playoff run by saying that? I don't know, but uh, I'd be, I'm, I'm more focused on the playoff run. This team needs playoff experience. Uh, as much as I'd want Alexis Lafreniere on our team, um, I can. I, I'm much. Ha- I'm very happy and content with a Connor McDavid and a Leon Drysaddle and a Nuge, um, and adding some pieces, you know, roll pieces around that. So let's focus on trying to win the playoffs now. Now. Oh, Chalmers, you're muted. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't even know I touched it. Um, in your hypothetical situation, did you say that we could get to the second round or win the chance to have it? Because even if you said that we would 100% if we didn't get to the second round that we have the first round, yeah. the first pick, like if it was a guarantee, I still wouldn't say that. Because really? To be, to be honest with you, I don't know much about the kid's game other than the fact that in the World Juniors he played great. But the drama he brought during that was that little tiny bit of smoke that I needed to see to know that in five years, he's going to be a complete, like, I, I just can see something happen where he turns into somebody that I very much dislike. So I'd Why? rather him. Why? What was I it? I don't know. His drama. Expand on that, Chalmers. His drama was that he played hurt. <laughs> yeah, but he made it, I don't know. What was, okay, what was the very first thing he did, though? He did something else. There was, well, they had a bit of a feud with the Russians going or whatever throughout the whole tournament, but I mean, that's not exactly anything new. Oh, yeah. Was that the helmet thing? Yeah. Okay. See, no, no, you're there, confusing. No, you're confusing with Barrett Hayton, I think. Yeah, you're confusing with Hayton, who is Canada's captain. I am confusing with him. I don't want that guy. Okay, well, we're not getting <laughs> Barrett Hayton, first of all. So, like, for me in the hypothetical, if you gave me the chance to pull the strings and or I knew exactly what was going to happen, and it was either the Oilers make the second round and get bounced, or they pick first overall, and those are my two options. Even if it was make the third round, even if it was make the conference finals and get bounced, I'm picking, I want the first overall pick. Adding a guy like Alexi Lafreniere, who is going to jump into the NHL immediate, like he's going to be an immediate top six winger, and he's going to be on his entry-level contract, so he's dirt cheap. And you can put him next to McDavid, and for the next three years, the Oilers will have just an insanely scary top six. And whatever happens after that, when you got to pay him, is whatever. But you're going to have that insanely scary top six, and all I'm sacrificing is their playoff chances in a year where there's no fans in the stands, 
it won't be the same as before. And you could argue that is is playoff experience this year, is it still playoff experience? Like, is it that same thing? I, I don't think it is. And for me personally, I'll give up a run of watching the Oilers on TV with no fans in the stands for three years of being a Stanley Cup contender with Alexi. I mean, I think they already are cup contenders, but if you add this kid... Like, you're a scary team, and it'll be with fans in attendance when it matters a little bit more. To me, I would take the first overall pick, if you gave me the choice, over anything short of a Stanley Cup. Man, if we didn't, if we got him and got another first-round pick and in four, three, four, five years from now don't have any cups, with the amount of first-round picks we've had in the last 10 years, that would be a laughing stock. <laughs> like, yeah. it would be bad. Like you're right, Chuck. You say a lot of good points there, but it's all from the voice of hindsight. Like the uh, the only way to find out if we're going to win the cup, yeah. is to beat Chicago, right? Like we go, we like we we have to go through that step. So either right now you're saying I want to lose to Chicago, or I want to try to win the cup. What is it? Yeah, and because, I mean because- that's the hypothetical part of it, right? But. Like, I'm not going to sit there and root for the Oilers to lose to Chicago. It'll just be a nice consolation prize if they happen to flame out to go, hey, 12.5% chance you're getting a near-generational talent. But, I, like, I, yeah, I'd mu- I want them to go on a run just as bad as anyone here, but I'm also just kind of recognizing that it's a COVID year. I think there's going to be an asterisk next to whoever wins. And you know what? The idea of adding a superstar talent to this lineup, again, is pretty appetizing. I think my... My view towards this is probably somewhat of, you know, the kid donut test where you put a donut in front of the kid. You say, you know, wait 15 minutes. If you don't eat that donut, you can have two. And most kids fail that test. Well, this is like I have missed hockey so much that I want to watch it that I'm more excited about the short-term gain of just having hockey right now than the long-term gain of not having hockey but having really good hockey next year and then the next year, right? Like, this, what COVID's done to me with sports is just, I want it now, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. where, I, where I come from. Not knowing anything about Lafayette, obviously, as you could tell by <laughs> getting them <laughs> mixed up with the captain there. Um, I just, I feel like that's, I, maybe it's my impatience that just, I don't care about Lafayette. I want hockey right now. And I want to, I want to run. I want to have, you know, parties in August. I want to have parties going like a cup run. Uh-huh. Like, we still, we still have to and win I, the lottery. Yeah. We still have to win the lottery. But I expected it too. Like, I expected to have a playoff run. So the fact that it's been taken away from me, you know, it's every single day that I think hockey's coming back, it's just I want it more and I want it more. So You know what, Chalmers? Connor McDavid wants you to have a playoff run and he's going to see to it. He's going to see to it. I just want to know what he's doing right now because I see on Instagram that. I, like how how long until potentially these guys would come back to, because um, like they said some some of the buildings were opening up right yeah. where guys could come and start working out. Well, I still see him on a boat in Muskoka. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so, I bet you he's training though, like crazy and skating. Just let him do his thing and don't worry about worried. Connor McDavid. Not, he's... No, I but then trust me, I'm not worried about him. But I just wonder what like the in, the indecisiveness about what's happening. I just no. like God, that must he's be- fine. He's got his machine there. He will come the day before or two days before training camp. I so heard, I wouldn't be. What so did you hear? I heard the Coyotes plan to have like their entire roster back early in, in July. And I think everyone needs to be back by July 15th when phase three is supposed to start. Um, but they said July 10th is training camp starting. 
I think it, July 10 or July 15, one of the two. But, if I were the Oilers, I would straight up get the whole team to come back right now. I would unleash uh, a person with COVID into the room. I would give them all COVID. I'd let them all go home. I'd let them all get better uh, so that we don't have to worry about our star player getting COVID in the bubble. And then your star player gets it really bad and has like a horrible lung condition that makes him retire and you lose Leon Dreisaitl at the age of 24. Chances are, I mean, look at how how many MLB players and how many basketball players are getting it right now. You know, like, it's insane. And the fact of the matter is, is somebody in the NHL is going to get it there's a chance somebody on our own team gets it. And I don't even want to think about what happens then. It's so fun. Well, Kate, let's dig into that then, because 58 minutes ago, the NHL released a statement and said, as of Monday, June 29th, the NHL has had in excess of 250 players report to club training and practice facilities for optional participation. Though they have, um, sorry, there have been over 1,400 COVID tests administered to that group of players. And the tests have brought back 15 players confirmed positive. And then that was before June 8th. As of June 8th to June 29th, another 11 on top of that. So the NHL, even though it hasn't been reported too, too much, has had 26 players now test positive for COVID. 11 so of I would them, like to know. Go ahead. 11 What's of the them during of that? this. How many? So that's 25 altogether. And how many players are they? Are they have that? They said in excess of 250. So even if you just call it 250, that's 10%. Yeah, that's that, high. That's nuts. But no, but that's but no, no, that's 11 players of that 250 since those 250 started reporting to the building. So it's less, isn't it? No, he's saying that a 250 was started at the testing, and they found 14. Mm. Since they found the 14, they found 11 more making it a total of 25. 26. Yeah. It's 15 plus 11. 26. Now. Oh, 15 plus 11. Sorry. Okay. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. What I would like to know is where are these players located? Okay, wait. Hold up. I Bob McKenzie <laughs> clarified it. There Tampa were fif- 15 <laughs> yeah. players. Arizona. 15 players in the league camp that tested positive. 11 players not a part of phase two and were not using team training facilities. Another 11 tested positive. So 15 under team control, 11 out on their own. Cool. Uh, so what I'd like to know is where these people are, because we know a lot of people, a lot of players in Tampa did, and we know Florida is like going through the roof. I'd yeah. love to know how many players in Texas and how many players we know Austin Matthews in Arizona. That's what I, I'd love to know, the percentage of that 25 or 26, if they came from those really hot yeah, spot but what, areas. Because so, what, what this reaffirms is, no, 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 I just want to know that. What this reaffirms is, is these guys got to get into this bubble sooner rather than later. Because if you're letting them report to the facilities, but also still kind of interact in society, and if they're in a society that's got a lot of uh, spread going, then that risk just gets greater and greater. The quicker we can we can get into this bubble uh, and, and, and try to contain it, the better chance we have. Because now, you know, we're like with them being out in the wild like they are, they're they're exposed. Okay, but what you're also that. saying is, my biggest fear is that you have a team and they're in game two of a game of a seven game series, and one player on the team gets it and spreads it to five more because you're saying that these in like these contained units are getting it. It's not like one one guy in every city. It's like six in Tampa and like six in Phoenix. Well, the problem is, is one team gets 
five, six players that get it because, you know, they, one guy comes in with it. What does that team do for game three? They have to sit those guys all out 14 days. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just go, okay, well, I guess we lost this series. We can't even, like, press I, enough players. That's, a that's great why you got to get in the bubble. That's why you got to get in the bubble, though. Right now, you're saying well, that was because, my point. Get everybody they're in not there. In a bubble. They're not in a bubble right now. They're allowed to go wherever they want, live their lives. They're allowed they're to do whatever the they want. And now they can go into the team facility as well. You, so you, so they can to. be that guy that goes and gets it, walks into the facility, and spreads it. You have so to think it, that if you've reported to your team, that your team has given you a protocol which is going to mimic a bubble. I mean, there's absolutely no way no. that if I had a guy coming in and I was the Boston Bruin and I had these 10 guys coming in, that I just would you know, have them coming into the facility leaving and allowed to go to pf changs for dinner that night like they're just testing them like crazy now the question we need to know uh answer is when they get tested how quickly do they get the results well there's there's rapid tests that are 45 minutes so reliable are they right they have they have a 20 percent false negative and so what they do then is they send that exact same sample away and you get like very accurate results within like well, three to four days, depending on where you are. You, you, you got to you got to think the teams would have you know they'd have a little bit more streamlined process because the protocol is you get tested before you come into the facility, and you can only walk in if you're negative. Well, I would assume so. I mean, that would be if you you can't exactly test a guy and then just have him sit and wait for two three days. I mean, yeah. it's got they got to be having the rapid forty five minute test. Oh, for sure. The, um, I would assume they are, and I bet you they'd have access to getting results quicker than kind of say like us going to get tested. Yeah, I yeah. just I keep going back to exactly what Chalmers said and the whole idea of what happens if it because I think as much as you want to make this bubble as tight as possible, there's still going to be chefs that aren't isolating, right? There's still going to be security guards and all that stuff. People who aren't, you know, who are doing their best, but are still driving home at the end of the night and seeing their, you know, if they have a partner or kids or anything like that, like there's still a chance that COVID gets into this bubble. And I'd love to know what the NHL is talking about behind the scenes right now in terms of what happens if before game three of the Stanley cup final, if we get to that point, what would happen if eight players on one team test positive? You're, you're down three games to zero in your, in your series. And maybe you uh, throw a COVID towel into the other team's dressing room. <laughs> yeah. Anything for the cup. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see, but I just know that at some point I will, I will put my my personal guarantee on it that in this playoff run, a team is decimated by it and loses, or or is basically forced to withdraw due to this. I would, I think that's a very, very real possibility. I said this last week a few times on the radio, and I had people being like, "Oh yeah," and and what if the roof collapses at the rink, and you know, stop dealing in all these insane hypotheticals, and it's like. That is not an insane hypothetical. It's fucking nope. very realistic. <laughs> it's, it's like the most realistic thing. But that that's why that's why you can't have a hub city like Vegas because it just the it just enhances the risk tremendously. I don't know what crazy person thinks that you can create a bubble in Vegas when Vegas is fully operational right now. Uh, you can create a yeah. hub city anywhere though, like. The places well, yeah. that have well, more, the places that have hotels where you can contain them, like I'm telling you, the chefs that go outside of this bubble and come back in to cook dinner the next day, they're going to be forced to adhere to the same protocols as Connor McDavid is going to. 
100%. No matter where the fuck these people are, the reason you're going to a place that's like, what I'm assuming is their thought is, let's go to a place with the least amount of active cases. Therefore, that's the least amount of people that are spreading it. And I don't even, I don't know what the stats on Vegas are. I still, I do know what the stats in Edmonton are. And as much as I, I just, like I've argued before, maybe Edmonton as a hub city isn't, you know, all this beautiful rainbow stuff that it's cracked up to be. I still think right here is the best place. We've handled it the best. We've got the hotels around. And, you know, as long as people adhere to the bubble, we have the best chance of having the math. It. The math is on your side. And that's all. That's the, the only thing that should be driving the decision. Yeah. But it's not. And at some point along the way here, the conversation went from where could we get this to be the safest place possible to, all right, where, where do our TV partners want? Where do the oh, players yeah. want to be? Where do the where yeah. will the players have most fun? It, What's going to be best for our for the money? Who what city's yeah. going to give us free hotels? Like yeah. at some point, the whole thing fucking flipped, and I don't know when it, it was, but it's yeah. it safety's not the priority right now. I don't think the NHL if the NHL comes out and says player safety is our number one priority, they're liars. It's going to be Toronto and Vegas. It's already a foregone conclusion. Well, I mean, last weekend it was a foregone conclusion that it was Vegas and Vancouver, and then what happened? Vancouver started getting real strict or their government got real strict on what the testing would be and what the safety protocols would be. And the NHL kind of backed up and went, whoa, yeah, looks like we're going to go somewhere else. See ya. Right. But it's- that also tells me the NHL is going to break, like the season is going to come back as well. Like there's, there's a good and bad view to that. But I'm just like, that tells me the NHL is just going to like steamroll through this and like the season's coming back. But yeah, I think that's their plan is to just like put the blinders on and oh, if you get a positive test, 14 days, cross yourself, pray to whatever that there's not a massive outbreak among six, seven teams and just roll right through this thing. I think that's honestly their plan, but they've been able to pull it off in Bundesliga and EPL's fired back up. Yeah, but those countries weren't as bad as places like Vegas or Florida, right? Like I I still 100 percent. So it's. It's just so hard to tell right now. I don't think they're. I don't. I, I like. I don't. I don't know the stats on this, but why are countries like Germany handling it so much better? Is it because their economy just was in such better shape that it didn't like it wasn't forced to reopen? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, have no obviously, clue. everything everything that's opening and the reason that they're even talking about this, everything is money driven. And if you know, if if in Germany they just kind of have this little bubble already of a country that's handling it really well. Maybe money isn't the main priority, and maybe people are adhering to the yeah. you know social distancing and not going out, and they're happier at home. Yeah, but it, it'd probably be more just how like yeah, like government jumping in, issuing protocols, and the population adhering to those protocols. And uh, I think yeah, in Germany, I think they they all kind of went went along with it, and they were they were one of the quick uh, first European com- countries to kind of start instituting their reopening uh, out of all the European countries. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of variables at play to kind of make it work. Um, And I think, you know, we've done a decent enough job up here. Uh, So it should warrant, just like I said, it just, it should be the science and the math that drives the decision. I know that, I know there's money at play. It's still going to unlock that money because it's all about eyeballs on television. Um, really at the end of the day, I guess a lot of this TV crew might live in Toronto, but at the same time, you don't want them living. You, they need to be in the bubble. Every person in this, you know, orchestra needs to be in the bubble. 
So it doesn't matter where it's played. I don't know if you're going to get that no matter where you go. I don't think I know. So <sighs> I know I'm just, I'm just, I, I think, I think I'm speaking from common sense, but mm-hmm. I know it won't go that way. Yeah, who knows? What's the other hot-button topics we got today? Well, I want to share this with you. Uh, Major League Baseball has figured their shit out, sort of, or just put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound here and decided they're going to play the season. And already today, I mean, in the last hour and a half, three players have already said they won't be playing. Mike Leake, relief pitcher, has said he will give he will not accept his $5 million salary. He's given it back, and he's not going to play. Ryan Zimmerman, due to make north of $10 million, granted these would have been prorated, but... Ryan Zimmerman, not going to play for the defending champion Nats. I believe the Nationals also had a relief pitcher say, I am not going to play this season. So three players have already officially withdrawn themselves from the season. When it comes to hockey, I mean, Ryan Zimmerman cited the fact that he has three young children. One's a newborn. His wife is at risk. He said he's not risking it. When it comes to like even the Oilers, like Matt Benning, congratulations to Matt Benning and his family on the new baby, but he just had a newborn baby. Is Matt Benning going to go play in this thing? What about the players who a lot of them time their like try to time their pregnancies so that their wives can give birth in the summer when they're home to be around, help out, experience all of it? That happens a lot. Okay, well, what's going to happen to the guy whose wife is due in the middle of August? Is he going to play? So I, I wonder how many NHLers will just kind of sit there and go, this isn't for me. I'm sorry. Like, I'd love to help generate the revenue for everyone once again and, and, and do my part, but I'm not risking it. I wonder how many there will be. Like, what would your guys take be if tomorrow Matt Benning, and I'm just using him as an example because it's at the top of my head now, but if a player like Matt Benning came out and said, I'm done, I'm not going to play this year, see you all in January or whenever the next season begins, what would your take be on that? You can't fault. Like, he's entitled to make that decision. Like, but what I want, do I want him dressed, dressed and playing for the Oilers? Yes. But I have to respect someone who makes that decision. But yeah, yeah I would my, be like, Fuck. My, my initial reaction would be that I'd be annoyed, that I'd be pissed off, that that one player saying that, uh, you know, maybe two, maybe three starts of domino effect and, and, and we lose what we've wanted for so long, and that is the sport to come back. But at the same time, yeah, I, I don't know, because I don't know what I would do. I mean, you know, I'm not the one that's going to make up the, 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 the reasoning of, look, you're a professional athlete, you make millions of dollars, get out there and play. For my, I hate that. Yeah, I hate it too. I don't. I don't like it because you're you're not treating these people with like, yeah, they put themselves in a position where they are afforded the right to play a game for a lot of money, but they're also afforded the right to do what's best for their family. And you know, as much as I want them to come back, I, I would respect his decision. I would respect it um, if you know if it was pretty much anything. If he had a, a grandmother that had an immune deficiency and just couldn't risk it and so I would respect that. Now, when it comes to the baseball players, um, I'm not surprised that three of them came out. It's been a pretty tumultuous time for those guys and yeah. the uh, and the owners. And you know, I was I, I was I was kind of aware of the fact that um, it seemed like the owners had been stalling and the commissioner had been stalling. And I pretty much found out that he had the right in the last CBA to mandate an emergency season, which was uh, about 50 to 52 games, right? Yeah. And so, like, I believe that he was. That he was that they weren't exactly you know they weren't negotiating, negotiating in good, good faith. faith yeah no and to, to to make that come back and I think that as many players are going to use that as you know um, I'm I'm not feeling safe about this I don't want to come back to my family 
I think a lot of them are like, if they choose to, I mean, I could, and I would understand why it's that they're just going to say, fuck these owners. We're, we're on the heels of another CBA in 2021. That season's very much in jeopardy after the way this whole thing went out. And, you know, like maybe these guys are, you know, not coming back for that reason. I think in hockey, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit harder to just kind of say, I, I think that some guys, even though they might not say that, there's just that feeling of team in hockey where you're like, you got to do it for the boy. Like, I'll bet you half of them come back and don't want to, you know, and don't say anything. It'll take somebody with some real balls to say, I'm not coming back. I don't feel safe. And, you know, I'm definitely not going to be getting mad at them if they do that. Well, I know there's, but there's so many variables at play here. Like, yeah. you're right. Like, if they make that decision, that's fine. But, like, like there's, a, there's a severe concern about the health of the league and future salary caps and escrow. So, like, there's also a unity on the player side, you know, to be like, well, shit, like, we've got to play because we've got to, you know, we've, this, this is what's going to do best for the league and for all the players in terms of not having to reduce the amount they have to pay into escrow. Like, there's so much, there's so many moving parts in well, the, yeah, getting and- this back and back to normal. And weighing on making a decision like that when you're thinking like, well, shit, like, am I letting my brothers down for the ones that are on the other side of the decision? That's more more why I think guys would be pressured to play. They're not worried about what the Brads and the Chads think. They're more probably worried about what their their, their union and what their their fellow players think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, though, when it comes to, like, even a guy like Devin Dubnik, who's been pretty vocal through all this, like, I think there would be a pretty big tolerance within the union, though, of players who would just kind of be like we we get it like we understand why you're sitting out and for the 22 year old who you know has a girlfriend but no kids or a single or whatever he those guys i think i think where you'd see the beef is if again just using the oilers as an example if a guy like tyler ennis said "Ooh, you know what i'm a free agent next summer and i don't want to get covid and have some lung thing and have it hurt my free agent value i'm just gonna sit this little playoff out to make sure i don't get hurt don't get sick and uh, I'll sign as a free agent somewhere next year. Because, I mean, we've heard, I've heard rumblings of that in the NBA where some pending free agents have kind of gone, Oh yeah, I don't know about that. And I think in hockey, like, especially in a sport like hockey where it's like, do it all for the team, sacrifice for the team. I think you'd maybe have some beefs going if guys started sitting out and just said, hey, it's because I'm a free agent and meh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. If a guy did that in Edmonton too, Oh yeah, I, I I don't I hate to see the seventy percent of the of the population that is just gonna shit on this guy. <laughs> you know, like I'm definitely not gonna be one of them. I know that. Uh, the Washington Nationals GM released a statement saying he's one hundred percent behind any players who don't want to return, including the two today, Joe Ross and uh, Ryan Zimmerman, who said they're not. Um, so I mean, I, I think we're gonna see a lot of that. I don't think teams want to put themselves in like a negative PR position. Where, uh, where they go, no, oh, we're disappointed in their decision, blah, blah, blah. They shouldn't put their safety first, put us first. I think that'd be a pretty bad look. Um, okay. Do we know what happens? Do we know what happens to their salaries? You don't get paid. Pay for goal? You don't play. Yeah, don't I figured. In the okay. NHL, that gets even more interesting though, right? Because like you can't find the player for not showing up, but they're not making any money for the playoffs. So they're really just like not doing their part. But it's, it is a sticky situation though. Oh yeah. It's, it's a mess. Speaking of PR spins, I want to. I, I'll bring this up with you guys because you're football fans. Cam Newton to the Patriots. Ah, yeah. Oh man, hilarious! But the Poor one thing, Jared Stidham. Yeah, no kidding. But the one thing I noticed. So 
Cam Newton to the Patriots gets to, gets leaked or whatever. It's all the talk. And then an hour later, you see the little note. Penalties come down from pay, for Patriots' recent <laughs> cheating scandal. And it's like, okay, were they signing Cam Newton because they think he's going to be a good quarterback? Probably. Was there a part of their ownership group that probably went, Huge smokescreen. Right? Yeah, like, you're probably sitting there going, okay, <laughs> COVID times, there's nothing going on. When it gets announced what our penalties are, we're going to be leading off every sports center, every it, talk show host, all of it. When it gets announced what we did, like yeah. the fact that this, they've gone back to the well again, they, ha- like, they have to be the biggest cheaters of all time um, because it seems like it was everywhere, right? Yeah. They got, caught, they got caught filming the Cincinnati Bengals practice, and I don't know what their penalty was. I didn't quite notice it, but if, they absolutely signed Cam Newton, and it became the bigger story as opposed to another cheating scandal by the Patriots, which is amazing to think. Like, they were going to get hammered, and it was going to be yeah. all weekend. And it, in this time, it could be like, cancel Bill Belichick. Like, you know, they, I, I do know that they're not going to be allowed to film any – film crews are not going to be allowed – around anywhere that are, are with the uh, Patriots. Um, but yeah, man, that would have been the biggest shitstorm. The fact of the matter is, it's a great move. Cam Newton to that to that, uh, that franchise and giving him an opportunity to, to work his way back into the league, like, I, he can't be, he, he's got to be just absolutely jacked that he's going to the one place where he could succeed very, very quickly. Um, I, I can't I can't see how that's not a home run move. That's like such a Belichick or Belichick move. Like to get someone who's kind of maybe had a hit a rough patch, I guess, if you will, career wise, or had a bad season to like go into the Belichick dojo and just come out a winner. Yeah, it's back to form. It's a it's a classic Belichick move here. Uh, Patriots, by the way, fined 1.1 million, and the league took away a third round pick in next year's draft from them. Uh, like I watch first take with Stephen A and Max Kellerman every morning. Now it's part of my morning routine. I think those guys are wildly entertaining. They know how to crank up the debates when they need to. It's a great show. But if there wasn't the Cam Newton signing, what would have led off today's show? And it probably would have been the first hour was Patriots cheating scandal. Looking back through their history, talking about if the punishments are enough. Does this diminish their dynasty? Blah, blah, blah. Instead, the first graphic was Cam Newton. Does this make the Patriots Super Bowl contenders? And it, I, I just think so many people are caught up talking about how, you know, the signing and all that, but not enough people are talking about the fact that I think it was just a big old PR smokescreen. They probably had this move in their back oh, yeah. pocket for a month. Like, what would oh, yeah. have changed in the last four weeks that would have been like, oh, we need Newton now? All you have to say is bravo. Yeah. I know. I saw my favorite headline, which was just camouflage with Cam and Cavaliers. <laughs> like, it's just... It's just beautiful. Everybody sees right through it. But the fact is, I don't know. Are, do you think guys like Stephen A. Smith and them, do you think they want to talk about another cheating scandal with the Patriots? Does it always have to be like next? Like after all the what went through with the Astros, there's there's documents right now that are being fought over heavily um, that the that the New York Yankees do not want opened up yeah. about about things that were um, investigated on them. Um, and I just think. I just think, like, I don't know. People don't probably want to do any more of these negative stories, man. It's just, like, all the time, every day. You know, like, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of negative stories I'm seeing about just people's past again. Two, two, two people that are huge right now under investigation by Joe Public, Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and Barstool Sports. Like, it's just everywhere, and it's just it's constant. And I don't, I don't know, Max Gellerman and 
Stephen A. Smith, they can pretty much argue about everything. But I think they're probably happy that that this camouflage came up because they didn't have to talk about it. Probably. I mean, you'd rather be talking about actual football than like videotaping and like even the question of why did the Patriots need to film the league where Cincinnati Bengals like they would have beaten them. Um, Cause it was just ingrained in them. That's how fucking yeah. funny this is. Yeah. It's just like, it's like we cheat so much. We're going to do it to the Jets and yeah. to the Bengals. Like the fuck is wrong like, with you guys? If they're willing to cheat and get against the Bengals, then yeah, it just tells you what more they're willing to do against the good teams. Yeah. They like spies everywhere. hundred um, percent. Yeah. It just goes back to the whole, like they're, it's like they're addicts, man. They need to get their fix. They don't care how they get it. If they can figure out how to hack into the signs of whatever, the Bengals or whatever plays they're calling, they'll do it because they're hooked on it. it I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I wanted to bring that up because I had the two football guys on the pod. Uh, before we keep rolling, there's one more thing I want to touch on, but need to give some more love to the folks at Jappa Machinery. Give them a call, 780-962-5272. Number one sponsor of the pod. And uh, there's also Oodle Noodle. Do we have a charity update on the nudes? Yes. This week we are uh, partnered with the Edmonton Down Syndrome Society. Uh, We were there on Friday shooting a video, so that'll be coming out uh, hopefully later today. It's just finishing editing. So super cool charity. Great people behind it. Got to hang out with them a bit uh, on Friday when we shot the video. So super pumped to be working with them. So Come check out Oodle Noodle this week and support another great Edmonton charity. There you go. Check them out, Oodle Noodle, on all the social medias. They have good noodle-related memes as well, or green onion cake memes as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Canada Day on Wednesday. Also, don't forget to pick up your limited edition Canada Day cans of Nation Beer. They got the cool red and white design going on them. Uh, Last thing I wanted to touch on, guys, four years ago today, and you know what? It was actually right around this time. I mean, it was between 12 and 2. I, I don't know the exact time on it, but uh, the Oilers traded Taylor Hall to the New Jersey Devils for Adam Larson. It was the first of a flurry of moves that also saw P.K. Subban go to Nashville for Shea Weber and Steven Stamkos re-up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Hall for Larson move. Do you guys remember your initial thoughts when you saw it? Yes. Do you want to share yeah. what your initial thoughts were when you saw it? Uh, pure joy. We just gave away a great player for somebody I don't really know. No, pure joy. Yeah, you and Wanya are big Taylor Hall fans. So, like, looking back on that move four years later, you still think, like, they won that trade? Well, it's tough to argue to say if they if they won. In, well, what's winning? Getting the better player? Having the better I believe, outcomes? But I believe, I believe they won the trade because Taylor Hall has already been moved again. So... He's like, been moved again. He's, yeah, it's yes, he won the heart uh, playing for New Jersey, but like I just once again, I'm a culture guy, and I just don't think he fits the culture, uh, and so that's why I was happy to see him go. I hear nothing but great things with Adam about Adam Larson as a person in the room. Uh, is he? creating the same impact on the Oilers that Taylor Hall could uh, create as, as an impact player. Probably not as much, but he was starting to have another good season. Um, you know, I wish maybe we got an, a pick thrown into that trade. So Chia maybe didn't do the best job, but I was still happy with the trade nonetheless. Yeah, actually, I, it, it still does blow my mind that that's all they got for a guy like Taylor Hall. 
Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I like the culture thing and all that. You're never going to hear the end of it. Oilers fans, I mean, if we're doing this podcast 30 years from today, I'll probably sit yeah. here and go, 34 years ago, the Oilers traded Taylor Hall. And then we'll talk yeah. about culture and we'll do that whole song and dance again. You except bet. we might be able to sit there and be like, well, the Oilers won a couple cups after. So yeah, I'd, I'd say it was worth it. Um, the other move in there was the PK Subban for Shea Weber one. And that is the one, whenever someone floats out the question of, have you ever been so terribly wrong about something? That's what I go to. I saw that deal and I was like, I can't believe how hard the Predators fleeced these guys. Shea Weber was coming off of playoffs where he looked slow. He was hurt. He, he was an aging, grizzled defenseman who I didn't think had a ton of game left. P.K. Subban, analytics darling, offensive D-man, skates well, was supposed to be the future of what sort of defensemen are in that mold. Great guy in the community, all that stuff. And I was really wrong because looking back on that move four years later, and maybe it is a culture thing or something like that, but the Habs without a doubt won that trade because Shea Weber has like defied father time and continued to be a hell of a defenseman for the Habs. He just needed to get back to health and that, <laughs> that was even at risk. There was a point at this season where they thought he, he might have to retire because of the severity of that injury. Yeah. But all of a sudden, like two weeks later, that's not the case. And he was... He, he he was a gun for them this this season. So it's good to see him back. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting trade. I was kind of taken back, and I was unsure because I I love Shea Weber as, as a hockey player. So I was kind of like, oh, like like that's a big deal. But I understood the trade, and I understood why Nashville would do it. Um, and yeah, that first season, the first couple seasons, you're like, oh yeah, Nashville, genius, genius. But now. You know, Montreal's proven to look like the smarter smarter people because now PK's not even with the Preds anymore. Yeah, they flipped him for a handful of draft picks, and that ended up being a bit of a disappointing tenure for him in Nashville. Yeah. Although they, they did make that one Stanley Cup final. So, uh, yeah, they, oh, yeah. They, got, they had they, some they, runs. Yeah, they had some really good runs in there. Um, That's it for my topics. You guys got anything before I tease our guest for Thursday? Not really. I, I just, yeah, no, not really. I heard today that uh, they were going to make a Forrest Gump too, and I got pretty disappointed finding really? out how good it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so funny because it's just one of these random things I listen to, and then all of a sudden the guy starts talking about how he, like in Forrest Gump too, he's going to like reinvent the wave, and and he's or he invent that he invented the wave that he was in the back of OJ's Bronco, uh, like all this stuff. Um, I was yeah, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Did you know, here's a fun fact about Forrest Gump 1. You know, the speech at the rally was basically the writer was supposed to come up with like the most inspiring thing ever. And the director hated it. Couldn't write anything inspiring. So the director said, let's try something funny. So he wrote something that wasn't funny. The director hated it. So he got Robin Williams, John Lovett, and Billy Crystal to write something. All of it fell flat. It did not work. And at the very last minute, the director decided to do the thing where all the mics get pulled out. And it's like a pivotal point in the movie. I think it's fantastic. And it's just, I always like how situations like that come up. I love stories about how things are made and like that up until the day that they were filming that, that scene, they did not know how that scene was going to go. They didn't know if it was going to be an inspiring speech, a funny speech. And it ended oh, up being wow. I just like, I thought it was great. Hmm. So I never <laughs> heard that story. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is, have you guys seen this race that's been going around? Um, from back in the day when Wayne Gretzky raced Bjorn Borg, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Pele. Yeah, dominated. In a 100-meter race. 
Really? Yeah. Wingrass just... beat them by like yeah. twenty yards. Yeah. In a hundred, sorry, twenty meters in a hundred meter dash, just dust these guys. I couldn't believe it. it I've awesome. not seen this. You've never They're seen all wearing it? the short, no. short, short shorts. Oh, the 80s. check it out! Oh, he just dusts them. Dust them. Oh yeah. It's so good. And the, the the outfits, they're all wearing matching outfits, and they're all wearing short Super shorts. Super high shorts, Gretzky, oh, yeah. Gretzky's the only one out there that doesn't look like an athlete straight up, and he just kills them. Yeah, he does look the most awkward to start. And then oh, he's just... so skinny. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just hilarious. So, oh, man, yeah, he so, just, right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. No doubt. Away, like, and about halfway, bowl. he pulls away, too. How old would he have been compared to those guys, though, like, at that point? Like, how old would Pele well, so, have been in this? Well, Bjorn, I think they're all probably, like, 10 to 15 years his senior at that point. And he's probably, what, I don't even know what year it was, but I'm imagining it's late 80s, like, 86, 87, 88, somewhere around there. But, uh... Even just getting yeah. out of the gate, like, he's one stride <laughs> in, and this guy on the close side of the screen, just Google Wayne Gretzky race, and it's one of the first things that pops up. <laughs> This guy's like not even out of the box, and Gretzky is like bang, two steps ahead of him already. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. fascinating. So I was, so I love. That's one of the reasons I love Twitter. I, it's, I saw this race, and I just was like, that's something I'd never seen before. I wouldn't even think it would be a thing, you know. So, so in 2020, would that be Connor McDavid, Alfonso Davies, um, oh, uh, like the Floyd boxer. Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, and, and then a soccer star Jokovic? like. Oh, Novak, yeah. No, yeah. Novak seen Djokovic. <laughs> Novak. I wonder what that would look like. I know. What's that? Did you hear what Novak Djokovic did this morning? Oh, he, he threw a giant tennis tournament after party and got, gave everyone COVID. Historically, an, a, a, an anti-vaxxer and yeah. throws yeah. a charity volunteer event. Somebody comes in with it and everybody gets it. <laughs> and this, this it. guy said he wasn't going to play the U.S. Open this year because there were too many safety restrictions. Like he's just a fucking whack job, man. Uh, I've I've never I've it's always struggled to like him. I'm a Roger no, Federer guy. So funny. So am I. And I never liked Djokovic because of just the way he acted on the court. Then the sixty minutes piece on him changed me. I was like, okay, I get it. This guy's like a hard worker. You got to have that kind of swagger if you're going to be the best in the world. And then this comes up, and it's just like, fuck. Can you not get out of your own way for five fucking minutes? <laughs> like Jesus. Oh, and you know what? There were probably people out there. I mean, obviously, people attended the tournament. People went to the party. Like, fuck, man, some people. It's The, the world of tennis is flipped upside down right now because the voice of reason is Nick Kyrgios, who is uh, usually oh my. the exact oh, opposite. <laughs> that guy reminds me of We're who in the are. upside down. We're yeah. in the upside down. It reminds what, you of who? You. What? I don't know why. Because I don't know why. He just When I think of him, I think of you as oh. a tennis pro. I when take be like, such offense because that guy is a, not a good human. He is fantastic. What? He doesn't do anything that's super offside. He just Kyrgios? yells at people on the court. And he, oh, yeah. no. He says offside shit all the time. Nick Kyrgios is a professional tennis player who fucking hates playing professional tennis. Like, that dude, I think, would rather be doing any. I think he said that before, too. He's come out and been like, listen, I don't like this shit, but I'm good at it, and it pays well. Like, he treats that Last- thing like a job. Last year, I went to the U.S. Open, and I went to all like to one full day of matches. And there's two huge Arthur Ashe Stadium, and then the other one. Yeah. And he was playing on a secondary court, and it was the busiest court there when he was playing. Everybody wanted to see him. Yeah, they want to see him snap. What's he going to say and, next? 
and that 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 was one um I, I saw Bianca in uh in um like a little secondary court like there's four courts in a row yeah. and you and like and nobody can stand in between the courts but you can stand all the way around all four of them and I stood like front row uh probably like 30 feet from her as she played her first round match it was fucking awesome Mm-hmm. Unreal. And my boy Shapovalov was like two courts down, so yeah, it was awesome. But I'm like curious. Hey, listen, his act sold because he's the most popular, and not even like I don't even I think he made it to like the second round. Yeah, he never wins. Like he never goes on no. like insanely deep runs. But he he is a very talked about player. Uh, we we should talk more tennis on the podcast. Uh, and, I love oh, I, love I love watching tennis. tennis. I was so into the U.S. Open, and you know what's yeah. funny? The hotel that I was staying at had a bunch of tennis players staying at it. Mm-hmm. None of the big guys. But you could like you could just tell it was like you know a lot of a lot of the players stayed there and like it was awesome. There's constantly U.S. Open vehicles coming to pick people up, and they'd walk down with like all their tennis. They'd be in their full tennis outfits, like with their bag of rackets ready to go. It, oh man, what an environment! If anybody's ever and we were trying to decide, the tickets are not cheap, no. and we were trying to decide if that was going to be a full day. You got to drive all the way out to like City Field where the Mets play, which is kind of far away. You got to get on the tr- on the train. It was it was the best thing we did while we were there. If you ever are going to New York during the U.S. Open, go to the damn tournament. It was a, one of the best days we've had. All right, that's uh, that's gonna do it for another episode of the pod on Thursday. I can say this now because I think it's a hundred percent. I think it's a hundred percent. We're batting five hundred on announcing guests. So yeah. let's just go for it. Flip Chris, the coin. Chris Seeger, he plays guitar for a Canadian heavy metal band. They're from Edmonton, actually. Striker. Uh, they're pretty big on the heavy metal scene. They have a new album out now as well he is also a big oilers fan so we'll chat with him about some metal music and things like that i want some help from the listeners here if anyone is listening and is big into heavy metal can you send me you know send us some question ideas what should we be asking chris seeger what do you want to know um because i'll i will be the first one to admit this is going to be a learning experience for me because i'm not super big into heavy metal so if you got anything you want us to ask chris about feel free hit us up on social media or if you just have like basic heavy metal facts and you want to educate me a bit, email me, Tyler at OilersNation.com. Jay Chalmers, thanks for giving me an hour and uh, pulling through. 50, 52 minutes with just the three of us. I'm proud. Yeah, well done, yeah. boys. Good job. I want to know if he likes Steel Panther, what, is, what he thinks of Steel Panther. And anybody out there that's listening, go check out Steel Panther before Thursday. Oh, yeah. they're amazing. Steel Panther's legit, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll talk to everyone on Thursday. Episode 192 of the Real Life Podcast is... Over. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the real life podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.